Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Recognizing a group whom have overcome a lot of barriers. What is wrong with that? Sounds great. Sounds okay on the surface. However, there are many underlying concerns and questions parents should be asking. In my last podcast, I addressed the subject of indoctrination in our education system and encouraging you, the parents, to take a stand for the education of your children. Well, it came to my own doorsteps this week. So I had to practice what I've been preaching. And here in my own town of Fort Myers, the Board of Education were attempting to add a resolution dedicating an entire month to LGBT history. And I promised you on Instagram, I would share my thoughts on attending the meeting. This week in Lee County in Southwest Florida, where I live, the school board was voting on many resolutions in their meeting. And one of those resolutions was dedicating the entire month of October to LGBT History Month. Yes, an entire month. Remember, our children only go to school for about nine months of the year. So here they were gonna use the whole month of October to LGBT History Month. And I wanna make a special note is the only reason I heard about this was that my aunt's pastor mentioned it from the pulpit and encouraged his congregation to write letters or to show up to the meeting and addressed why this was concerning for our community and how thankful I am for pastors who address these concerns from the pulpit and encourage their congregation to engage on these public policies and these issues that are taking place. Because once again, I've said this before, this is not social issues that we're dealing with. These are biblical issues. And I'm thankful for pastors like that who made their congregation aware of what was happening. So after I heard about this, um, I called Todd Chastine. Many of you might remember him from the last podcast. But he's been a parent who's been there before, and he works on public policy and education, and he's been there to talk before a board of education on behalf of his children before. So I called to get his opinion and help me to construct a letter to write to the school board. And I want to tell you, letters work. I want to encourage you, write them, and don't stop sending them. So I sent my letter to to the board, and as I know, many others did. So the day of the meeting and that morning of, there was a lot of confusion. Word had gotten out that the board had tabled the resolution and decided to remove it from the docket. There was not full transparency, so I wasn't sure what exactly was happening. You know, maybe this is they were going to try to sneak it in a different way that wasn't so public. Maybe this was an election year and they're dodging controversy right before the election. I don't know because there wasn't full transparency, but I decided to go anyways and to go prepared because I believe once the idea has been danced around, once this has been on the table, this is a subject that's not going away. And I believe it will be right back on the docket this spring maybe this coming spring, right after election. And I knew once the word got out that it had been tabled, the other side would come to argue. 
the LGBT community was not going to be happy with that. And they're so well organized and funded, and they're very aggressive in their activism. So I knew they would be there. And just because it had been tabled, we as Christians or as parents had to continue to go and go prepared. So this was my first experience going to the school board meeting. I had never been. I've encouraged you guys to go before. So let me just kind of briefly, maybe many of you are listening, you've never been to a school board meeting. Let me briefly explain the layout for what it was here in our county because this was a great learning experience for me. I learned a lot. So, you know, doing some research on the website, I, my interpretation was the first 20 people to get there to fill out a card to speak would be able to speak, and you would have three, three minutes to speak. So, of course, I went prepared with a three-minute speech, and I was one of the first ones there to fill out my card. And when I walked into the boardroom, you had to put all these blue cards inside of a basket and just thrown in there. And my question was, well, how are they going to know who the first 20 were? Well, they didn't take the first 20. I've learned that the more people that are there, they will allow those people to speak. You just get a lot less time. But anyways, I went into the room, and it was very interesting. It, it was taped off for social distancing, and it just wasn't consistently taped off. There was no consistency. There was no understanding of why some rows were taped off, some seats weren't taped off. But anyways, the police officer came in and told our group that if you came together as a group or in the same car, you were allowed to sit together. So we removed some seats, and there was four of us that were sitting. And there was a transgender, a male, dressed up as a woman, who was so angry that we were removing the tape. He pulls out his phone and he begins to video us. And that's not really an important part of the story, but I realized right then this was going to be very intense and this was going to be a very heated meeting. And I want to be clear on something. This isn't fun to me. This is not something I enjoy doing. I feel called to. I feel, call, I feel called to encourage y'all to take a stand. I feel called to stand on truth. And to fight, um, I probably got a little bit of a, that blood from my dad. But this isn't fun. I don't enjoy going to talk about sensitive issues in a public speech. I would a lot rather love on the LGBT community through building a relationship with them personally or getting to know them through the community. Because when you come face-to-face -face with humanity, it's very different. It's easy to discuss the issue on a podcast. But it's very different to walk into a room filled with, LG, with the LGBT community. Each one has a soul. Each one has a story. Each one has a past. These are lives that God loves. He loved them so much, He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for them, that Jesus shed His blood for them. And my heart was just really broken for this community as you come face to face. This is a community that I've always had a special kind of tug and a pull to, but I just want that to be clear that I don't enjoy doing this, but I do feel called and I will fight for my children when others are coming against their education. And I want you to remember the Bible says, in Ephesians 5, 15, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity 
because the days are evil. And we as citizens of God's kingdom, um, me as a parent, we have to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. They're numbered in evil. And I look at this as opportunities to be a light, an opportunity to stand for truth. But the room was very tense, and there were two reasons. Many parents were there to discuss the mask mandate with their children in the public schools. And that's just a spicy topic all on its own, own because there are so many people after seven months of wearing masks and the weariness and the tiredness of it all. And then, of course, half the room was in there to talk about the LGBT subject. So, once again, the room was very heated. And there were many people who got kicked out of the room. There was a person that yelled, Hail to Satan after the prayer. Many people were clapping when they would agree with something and you're not allowed to clap. So they were removed from the room. Some people weren't wearing masks. So over and all, with the two subjects that were there, this was intense. And I just started praying. I prayed for the people in the room. I prayed for the meeting and the messages that would be shared. And I was asked a question from someone on Instagram how do you deal with this issue to those who do not believe in Jesus? And I think that's a great question because I think we can be more effective if we go in there with some arguments that aren't just solely based on religious liberty and our personal beliefs. I don't think you will get anywhere if you solely use those arguments. So I'm going to get to that. But the other side, the LGBT community, they had some compelling stories that grab at your heartstrings. And that's what happens in our society. We're grabbed and our heartstrings are tugged for these personal stories. And they're compelling because these stories are personal to them. And it was even personal to some of the women that sit on the board. There was one boy who was gay, talked about he went to high school here in Lee County, and it was the chair of the board who saved his life through counseling. You know, and each one of these people that got up shared personal stories, and they were tough, and they're hard to hear. And I want to be clear, I don't think anybody should be bullied. I don't think anybody should be mistreated. And we can have programs like that in our school systems for anti-bullying. But we don't give a whole month to sexual ideology. Some other things and great points I thought that were made on the side against this resolution— there was one woman that got up there and she said, I had a son that went through school here in Lee County and he was in a wheelchair. And he was picked on, he was bullied his entire life, but he doesn't get a whole month dedicated to him in a wheelchair. But what we can practice is kindness. And that is the root of it. We are to practice kindness, show kindness, and to teach kindness in our schools. Another argument was a teacher who was there, a teacher where this has obviously been a difficult year for teachers, and she gets up and says, you know, she, one, talks about um, the mask mandate, and I think there was talk that teachers might have to wear a hazmat suit, and she says, here I am, I get paid, you know, $600, you want me to wear a hazmat suit? On top of it, I don't have time to teach reading, science, and math throughout my day, especially to the children, to focus on the children who are falling behind. I don't even have time to teach them the basics. Now you're on top of it wanting me to teach for an entire month about LGBT history. How could I possibly do that? So I thought that was a great argument. 
There were some other parents who just got up and said that they were against it. There were some sweeter people that got up there, and some of them just read scripture. And with, I think, of course, I'm so thankful that they showed up. They took the time and the personal time to show up. I don't always think that that is going to be effective in making change. There was one woman who got up there and just started yelling, you know, about her Savior, Jesus Christ, and how she was against this. She was also, once again, against the other subject being discussed because she's a nurse, and it was just very intense. And we always have to be very careful with our tone and how we come across, that we're always coming across in love. So there were some great arguments made on the behalf of being against the resolution, and there were some that just weren't as powerful as or impactful. And here's some concerns I believe are important to address, some messaging I used, because once again, I believe we can't just use the argument solely based on religious liberty. And these are some points that Todd Chastain, once again from the last podcast, helped me with. And he said, with the board choosing to proclaim LGBT History Month, some of the concerns it picked up is the board would be picking, first off, winners and losers. That you would be recognizing for an entire month one group of people and leaving out. For an example, does Lee County have a Jewish Heritage Month? Do they have a Hindu Heritage Month? What about a Mormon Month? What about a conservative Christian Month? A month recognizing the most persecuted faith community in the world, the international Christian faith community. And the answer is basically simply no. But the reason that there are school systems out there adopting an entire month is because the LGBT community has power, influence, and engages in intense and forceful activism. In resolutions like this, they succumb to a powerful voice and push a singular agenda, not based on a person's historical accomplishments, but based solely on sexual identity. Another point was this resolution in History Month is an overreach that pushes ideology that counters the values of a huge part of the student body in our county. And Christian Watson, a gay political writer, argued that LGBT history programs should be ditched because they do more damage than good. In his Washington Examiner article, he said that the agenda is pretty blatant. Liberal educators hope to push students toward a liberal view of LGBT issues, even though those values and sexual practices might fly in the face of their family's worldviews. He also said, This initiative violates the freedom of far too many religious people. Parents should feel they can safely pass their spiritual convictions to their children without government interference. And he stated that there's no better way to embitter an entire group of people toward the LGBT community than stomping their beliefs into their parental rights. And that is coming from a gay political writer. I will put his article in my show notes if you want to look at that. Another point is, and I should have probably stated this first, and I know I already stated that I do believe that no child should be bullied. But in Lee County already has a non-discrimination, bullying, and harassment policy on behalf of the LGBT community. So I'm for that. I'm for an anti-bullying month where this is already included 
So I don't understand why you would need an additional month to recognize one group above other groups. Another concern I have is that they are taking the responsibility of parents and taking it into their own hands. Because why would a school board believe they have the responsibility for promoting educational advancement, reserve an entire month to celebrate sexuality and sexual identity? Because would this really help the failing students to become better at reading, math, and science? And that's like what that woman said who was a teacher. She said, I barely have enough time in the day to teach reading, math, and science, especially to failing students. How am I going to add this and another agenda for an entire month? And I asked them, why did sexual identity and sexual education become such a lofty educational endeavor? Why is that pushed to the forefront? And why are we placing LGBT sexuality at the forefront of historical education. And, you know, if you were learning biology, well, it makes biology irrelevant and is counter-educational if you adopt this LGBT initiative. Because if you adopt and approve a resolution like this, it is basically affirming the transgender theory. This would support gender identity and gender expression policies within our county schools. That would include biological boys identifying as girls allowed to compete in their sports and take, you know, the county and the state championship memories from girls. It would allow biological males who identify as females to use the bathroom, the locker room, and the showers of girls. And that's putting my little girl in danger. It also could support mandatory use of pronouns who are helping students to transi- transition. You know, even without the parental notice and consent, as some school districts already do. And if the school board is really in support of all of this, it should be clear and let parents know. You know, they're saying they're putting it under just a history month, but if they believe in all of this, that they should be transparent up front. You know, and I also asked just two basic questions. These are just very simple because when you start thinking about this, you know, the other side was arguing, we just want History Month, you know, to know what we've overcome and overdid. And that's not where it stops because this is a very slippery slope. This is just opening up the door for the indoctrination because we've already seen like in Virginia, classrooms all the way down to like kindergarten have books speaking of sexual identity inside of kindergarten. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I've had mothers and grandmothers write me letters of their children, you know, in elementary and fourth grade, sent home books of boys kissing one another. So yes, there is an agenda behind this because I've said it before, the left, especially the LGBT community, they had an intricate blueprint of how they were going to infiltrate society. And part of that blueprint is starting with a younger generation. If they can change the mindset of a younger generation, then they've won the battle. So yes, this is all falling under just the quote-unquote umbrella of LGBT History Month. There is more to it. And the last point that Todd really wanted to make sure that I made was that the school board does not have to intentionally and recklessly offend half the citizens of our county. 
We can use wise and strategic and more pluralistic options, you know, that could unify a community. Maybe in high school, there could be an elective course that you could choose that would cover LGBT history. And in this way, the society is allowed to agree to disagree and to have the freedom of choice and coexist. There are many options out there. And we don't have to choose a one where you dedicate an entire month to this because that's, you know, reckless and it's unnecessary. People must be allowed to disagree and to live, you know, just unified in a community without being pressured by our school system against their own personal beliefs. And then to end it with just two very simple questions that I asked the school board was, one, how do you plan on teaching this to kindergartners for an entire month? I have a little girl in the first grade. I want to know how they're going to teach that to children in the first grade. And why are we teaching sexuality and sexual identity to such a young and vulnerable and an impressionable age group? They don't need to be having those conversations yet. And then that would be up to me as the parent to decide when and how I would have those very sensitive conversations. But the school board and our education systems are taking that responsibility from the parents and putting it into their own hands because they think they know better. And they'll say, no, we're not here to do that. We're just teaching about the history. And that's not true because we see this happening all across the country. So I would encourage you how... How would they teach this to the young children and why would they be teaching sexual identity and sexual theory to such young children anyways? That's the job of us parents to decide when and when and how we have that conversation. The second question is, what about teachers who believe this violates their religious beliefs? Because there's going to be many teachers who disagree with it. So will you fire them or what will happen? And will they be penalized for it? I just received a note from a teacher who spent her entire career teaching in the public system in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And she said during their history month or their LGBT month that they were even made to have rainbow pride flags outside their classrooms. And why, once again, does this group get special treatment do we have the Christian flag outside of groups? With There's many Christians inside those schools. Do they get a Christian flag? No. Many schools don't even like having the American flag in there anymore. So why are school systems putting the gay pride flag outside of classrooms? But those are questions we need to be asking, and they're very simple and very practical. Another teacher I knew in the public school system, they were wanting to have books written by gay gay authors, and they thought that they should be including these. And she said, why don't we just pick good books? And it doesn't have to be categorized of who writes them, but just pick good books. And with her just taking that stand, more people gathered around her and agreed, yes, I agree, we should just pick good books. It just takes one person and the courage of one person to take a stand. And I just want to encourage you, those are just very simple questions to be asking. But a few of my takeaways, you know, those were some of the arguments I used in my letter. I didn't say all of them, but the ones I was going to share with you today. But some of my takeaways, I want to remember I want you to remember, always do this with grace and truth. There were some people there in that meeting that didn't show the grace. 
And I've said this many times, Jesus was 100% grace, he was 100% truth. And with this sensitive subject like LGBT, where you're dealing with other people's precious lives and dealing with humanity face-to-face, it is so important to remember this. We cannot sacrifice the truth under the umbrella of love, and we cannot sacrifice grace under the umbrella of fighting for truth. John in chapter one in the Bible, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and that we saw his glory, glory as the only begotten from the father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, once again, was 100% truth and 100% grace. I wanna encourage you to be very careful and strategic with your messaging. Once again, remember you're always representing the kingdom of God and to do that with love and respect to the authority you're there. You know, we were there with the school board. They had rules. Many people were breaking the rules and causing issues and getting kicked out. You know, remember to be respectful. And just another takeaway that I learned from our county, and I'm not sure if your county is very similar in this, if you're looking to move forward or one day have to do this, I learned from the website that I was gonna have three minutes to speak. Well, that was taken down to one minute because so many people showed up. And one minute is worthless. You're not gonna get anything done with one minute. And that's why it's so important to write those letters. But maybe to be really well organized with your group when you go in, maybe you have a group of 20 people, but you appoint three speakers so that you can have more powerful presentation. And when you get up to speak, say, I'm here on behalf of 25 people who have joined me. Um, that might work. It might not work. That's just a suggestion because maybe the other side would pack it a lot and you would still be down to one minute. I don't know. And every county is going to be different, of course. And another issue is that a question that was brought up to me on a phone call with a colleague was, um, and he was just challenging me to share this with you, is why do we fight? We know eventually this will be the normal. And I do believe that. I think even though I'm fighting, I think one day this will be in the kindergarten classes. You know, we've already seen that throughout this nation. We see drag queens having story time with young, with young children. So this is going to come. So why fight? This is a fight we're going to lose. It's weary. And I say that because I will fight as long as I can. I will buy more time. Even if that's just an extra year, I'm going to buy it. I will fight for it. I pray all the time that the Lord would protect the innocence of my children as long as possible. God, give me as much time with their innocence. So I will fight for their innocence as long as I can. And I wanna encourage you, you don't give up because you think you're gonna lose. We can look in scripture over and over and battles that they thought they were gonna lose, but how God showed up because we realize it's not on our own power, but it's um, it's on God's power. So I will fight. We do not give up. And lastly, I was sitting there and I was looking at all these women. Our school board was filled with women. And there's only two Republicans on the school board. One of them, only one of them was a conservative Republican. And I looked at these women and I thought how these women had the power over our children. And it shows that these powerful positions in our community and the influence that they have And we have to know who we're voting in. These women are gonna pick the books that our children read. And many of these books are foul and vulgar, like we mentioned in the last podcast. And that these are the women who are gonna define our children's education. So I wanna encourage you, especially with this election coming up, 
Take your school board election very seriously. Know who you're voting in. Do your research on each one, on each race on the on the ballot before you're going to the polls. Sometimes we just show up and we fill out and we'll leave stuff blank if we don't know the answer or the person. But these are so critical. And then one day I want to encourage you or to encourage those around you to run for office one day. How wonderful it would be if we had Christians on our school board. Because this election, it's just not about a presidential election. Each race is crucial, especially our local ones. We have been given the gift to vote and to be part of the solution. So I want to encourage you, take this election serious, each race, not just the presidential one. Because I've often said, I think one of the most important races that we can vote on is our school board. Once again, thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless. I hope this will help you in the future or encourage you to engage in local policies and fight for your children. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. God bless. I wasn't given the spirit of fear. I was given-